Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. LaFondra looking to get caught side of Bond. LaFondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, welcome to another episode of Elm Park Royals. Day after a one-all def- one draw, one-all draw against Hull City at the SCL Stadium, and I am here with Jordan and uh, EPR debutant to the Elm Park Royals podcast. I think uh, Matt, Jordan, how are we doing after yesterday? Um, I'm doing good, doing good, thanks. And uh, Matt, first time on the podcast. Looking forward uh, to not it? my first. I'll, I'll, I'll take it as a forgettable experience. Was the first time. Yeah. It's my second, but it's all good. <laughs> Yesterday, I guess at least, probably isn't that going to be that forgettable for for Reading fans. I think going forwards, uh, there was quite a bit of controversy yesterday. Uh, first half, not so much. Fairly even start in the first half uh, for both sides. And Matt, probably more, I guess. More fast start than recent matches um, for for Reading, especially. We had a decent half chance for from from Carroll. Yeah, I thought we started pretty well, really. Um, I think having Carroll on the pitch starting games is uh, a lot easier than um, starting with Puskas. It was really interesting just to see from kickoff. Actually, we started straight on the front foot and actually started attacking. We've had probably ten years of pass it back to someone uh, in defence who will lump it up uh, out onto the wing and hope someone will get it from kickoff. Um, so it's really good just to start out with Swift just running towards the defence, really. Um, yeah, I thought we, we opened really well in the first five to ten minutes. It was fairly even, I guess, uh, Jordan, because Hull definitely had their chances as well. Uh, it didn't take long for them to have the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I actually thought both sides started pretty brightly. Um, Hull definitely didn't look... Um, I mean, they looked confident. They looked like a team that had come off the back of four wins, right? And um, definitely were giving us a good game. It's pretty, pretty even, pretty end-to-end. Nothing, no massive chances going at either end. But both teams, you know, there's a bit of space for them, a bit of space to go attack. And like you say, they, they had the ball early in the back of the net. I was down the other end, so I was... 
didn't see it as offside the first time. Looking back at it, you know, I think it is. But um, that's that sort of ball to the sort of back stick, whether it's um, from a set piece, which we've seen plenty of, or, um, you know, in open play does seem to be a bit of an issue. They get the knockdown a bit too easy and then it's a lovely, thankfully, offside finish from Wilkes. But um, that was a bit of a wake-up call. Um, and, uh, you know, they didn't create huge amounts after that, but that was definitely a bit of a scare. The one thing we've got better at from the set pieces and from balls coming in, though, our zonal marking. If at the start of the season, our zonal marking has been all over the place um, and it's starting to get better. Even if Rahman gets beaten to the header and things like that, at least uh, we're not just having a completely spare man at the back post who uh, can just knock it in. We'll definitely come on to zonal marking a little bit later on because I think it's going to be a a topic of, of debate, uh, let's put it that way. But yeah, Rahman definitely gets beaten a little bit too easily for my liking for that offside goal. At, I think he's definitely getting targeted by teams at this point. Uh, that that seems to be fairly clear and he's not, it's probably not the best header of the ball we've ever seen. Um, I think the... The quote which I would take from from yesterday from one of the the chats I had was he looks like a winger who's playing left back almost sometimes. I, I think low keys had quite a poor month to be honest. Um, now most of the time it hasn't really been, I guess, talked about too much or highlighted too much because it tends to be we we get away with it. Like I don't know how many, you know, obviously there was the goal at. Um, Sheffield United but other than that he hasn't been directly at fault for tons but it feels like wingers and wingbacks are getting at him a lot over the last month um and I was sort of right about this week it, it's hard to know with a guy like him whether it's about he's played a lot of minutes this season he's not that used to playing a lot of minutes stuff like that or whether it's just we've seen a bit more of him now we get a bit more used to what he's good at and what he's not so good at but um and so do the opposition but it does feel like in defence, certainly, he's not quite as assured as maybe we thought, maybe we'd hope. Still think he's plenty good enough to be like in the team. I don't think we should be talking about dropping him, but um, maybe a bit of a re- recurring theme with actually quite a lot of these guys who've come in, especially the more experienced ones, is they're maybe they're, they've all been pretty good, but maybe we, we like this is we why they're kind of see, now. Yeah, we can kind of see the reason that they're in the championship at this point. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. like there's there's definitely shoots there, right? We can we can see why they're here and, and maybe not playing higher up. And mm. uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's definitely that elements of doubt in in each of the players who've come in. We've seen just small bits, not mm-hmm. necessarily like yeah, as you say, not necessarily enough to to fully criticize and, and drop them. But there's just some doubts there over. I mean, all of the players who've come in. Uh, well, the big issue, we've, we've got no one to drop him for anyway, so <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, he, he remains in the team indefinitely. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, we don't don't quite have the uh, the squad to be able to, to drop him for another left-back because Panovic hasn't really given Bristow much of a chance. I think Bristow might be injured because I'm not sure he's playing for the under-23s either. He's just come back. He's just, just come back, but he has been injured, yeah. Maybe maybe we'll see Bristow play next month in the FA Cup, potentially. Uh, going back to the whole game, um, first big, big chance for Reading, 20 minutes in. John Swift, really good vision here from Swift to, to note the intercept or note the pass and, and claim an interception about, what, five yards into the whole half, Matt? And 
John Swift, he sets the chance up himself here. And it's a great I mean, should, chance. Should he, should he score here? Uh, should he, could he, would he? Um, I think he should score. But our expectations of Swift are so high from where he's been at this season that he doesn't score. I wouldn't, you know, in years previously, I wouldn't have expected him to score all the time. I think it's just because he's got such a high goal scoring rate this season. He's been assisting so much this season. Going through on goal, I'm expecting him to score this season. Um, I'll give him benefit of a doubt. He got it on target. He made the keeper make the save. Didn't blow it wide, blow it over. Didn't take a bad touch going up to the keeper. He actually took a really good uh, couple of touches, uh, uh, putting it in front of him up to the keeper. So, uh, you know, he he took a, a good chance. Um, it didn't go in. Keeper made a good save. I think it's more on the keeper making a good save than it was Swift doing anything wrong. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Swift's expectation level is kind of on top, you know, on top of the world still from from fans because of how well he's playing this season. Um, it, what did you think of Swift overall yesterday, Jordan? Because I think, I guess, it's difficult for him to keep that level of, you know, we, we've been seeing these nine, 10 out of 10 performances from John Swift for a few months. Maybe over the last, I don't know, three or four games, we've, we've seen a couple of sixes. A, a, and that's not a bad thing necessarily that he's, you know, putting in these performances which aren't 10 out of 10s, but perhaps we're just seeing, you know, a little bit of a dip in form compared to the heady heights of August and September. I, I think that's spot on. Um, I think that expectation piece is, is key, really. Um, and but, but both are true, right? So, like, I think his performances have definitely slipped. Last few games has been a few bits where he's not really been that involved. Um, but equally... The expectations are so sky high that when we, when he drops a little bit, suddenly, like you say, his ratings are dropping to like sixes and stuff like that. When in reality, he's probably still one of the better performing guys. Like I was chatting with with um, um, with someone about uh, like the player of the month stuff, and we were looking back and going, Do you know, what? if you actually look at like the numbers and stuff like that, Johnson probably should have won player of the month because he scored and like assisted three goals or something like that. And like Luke Southwood obviously has, has been brilliant as well, but I do think we've all become a bit acclimatised to how good he's been this season so that when he's not literally doing every single good thing on the pitch, we go, oh, he's having a bit of an off day. But he, but he did. And he was a little bit uninvolved um, at points, a little bit sloppy, maybe taking too many touches. Um, you know, I, I was sort of torn. In the first half, I was frustrated that he wasn't close enough to Carroll because um, there were definitely points where, you know, he would drift out sort of, our left-hand side, and he'd do some nice bits of work with with Tom and with Baba Rahman. But then, you know, you're looking up and Carol's all by himself. And in the second half, it was it was actually almost the opposite, where um, we had a bit more of a struggle to actually bring the ball forward. And he was doing what I wanted him to do, which was stay right by Carol. But at that point, hole was so deep that it almost felt a bit pointless. So I felt a bit bad for him because a lot of the time, I don't think he's doing anything different, right? I, Swift has been trying to do the same things all season, right? And sometimes they come off. Most of the time they come off. And yesterday, for whatever reason, you know, they didn't, you know, he probably should have scored. And the high standards we hold him to and he holds himself to, probably he'll have thought, yeah, I should have scored. You know, there were a few little nice little bits of interplay that, you know, he probably should have got. You know, I'm sure we'll get on to it, but he probably should have got a penalty as well. But you know what I mean? So, like, there's another day where he scores 
assists a penalty, maybe even scores a penalty, and we go, it's not been a brilliant Swift performance, but again, we're talking about two goals. You know what I mean? That's the sort of fine lines that we're, we're talking about. And, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I guess, one of the uh, one of the famous quotes is, it's, yeah, fine margins, right? If he gets the penalty and he scores yesterday, then we're talking about a, another brilliant Swift performance as it happens. He doesn't. And we're talking about, oh, well, Swift might have had a little bit of an off day. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, fingers crossed for Swift over the next few weeks, because obviously if he's if he's putting in those kind of performances where he's hitting the sevens, eights, nines out of tens, we're, you know, we were always going to have a chance in games um, over, over the Christmas period. Hull had a really good chance. And I think this one is, it, it might get forgotten because of how, I guess, how poor the, the strike was. But Hull had a massive chance from a corner, Jordan, uh, probably about 10 minutes before half time, which massively exposed uh, as a set pieces again at the back post. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and set pieces looked a worry all, all game, to be honest. Um, and it's it's tricky to know, and I'm not the guy, maybe Stephen on Twitter is the guy to, to tell us all, but um, it's hard for me to say whether this was us being particularly poor or whether it was Hull being good. Because I know that the whole the whole chap who was on EPR pre-match was talking about how okay, they haven't scored from many set pieces this season, but last season they scored a ton and they're very, very good at them. And they did look good at them, but equally, you know, we know at times, you know, we're a team that can be got out of set pieces. But yeah, they looked a threat all, all game. What was what was a small positive, I guess was that none of like the first contacts they were getting were directly on goal, right? Like it was more nod downs and balls spilling to the edge of the box and stuff like that. So most of the chances were, for us at least, you know, acceptable sort of shots and distances that you'll go, all right, we don't want to concede those, but like I'll take a shot from a spilled corner on the edge of the box. The Wilkes one obviously was a lot better chance and, and you know, definitely should have done, done better with it. Um, I, I do think one thing, I don't know, maybe I'm talking nonsense, but, you know, I think one thing to bear in mind was that, like, obviously, you know, they had three centre-backs. They got McGuinness, they got Wilkes, both, you know, those are five. Uh, Wilkes is not the biggest guy, but pretty physical. Um, you know, those are decent targets. And, and it's, a team of, it's a team of lumps, isn't it, Jordan? Let's be honest. They, they, I mean, there, there are certain setups you go, okay, like, even if you're really good at set, defending set pieces, like they've got a chance just from sheer numbers, right? I mean, you look at the Reading team, we're not a small team, but you've basically got two centre-backs and Carroll as your real, you know, chief ball winners in the air there. Um, we've already talked about Barbarama not being brilliant in the air, even though he's got a bit of height. And beyond that, you're talking about guys like Lauren and Drinkwater. Fine. You know, we had some issues with Lauren start of the season in terms of, you know, defending posts and stuff, but there's sometimes you just get outnumbered in terms of the number of real targets that they have. Um, and they had good delivery and they, and they used it. Um, so, you know, somebody else can take more of a deeper dive in the set piece to see if there's more worrying signs there. Um, for now, I'll say, hopefully it's just a, a one-off because generally it's been a lot better. It was terrible at the start, but generally it's been a lot better of late, I felt. And you said it at the, <laughs> sorry, you said it at the start there, which was, um, the first ball coming in, we do get to. Um, and I generally trust that Holmes and Dan will get it. Um, it's the second ball or it coming down uh, into the box and there's no one else there taking charge and getting rid of the ball uh, and clearing it out. 
but the chance we're talking about with um the whole chance i don't know how he skied it so high from six yards it's incredible and um, that should have been a goal one nil straight away it, yeah it's a big chance for hole like that's probably the biggest chance of the half i, I would say uh for, for either side it's it's a fairly, you know, fairly clear shot on goal. I guess Swift's chance was big as well, but um, thankfully didn't go in. And we we come up towards half time, and we'll, we'll we'll park the penalty discussion here because I think we'll we'll come onto that later on. Um, but we end up winning a corner from a relatively kind of tame Josh Lawrence shot. Scott Dan flicks the ball onto the back post. Laurent manages to nod it back across and, and Matt, Tom Holmes, first goal for Reading. Talk I mean, us through it. Like what a first goal. Uh that's incredible. If I was I was half expecting it to be Carol or something when I saw uh, someone uh, uh doing a bicey, but um Well, so did Sky Sports and Optosports. I think they they all reported it as Andy Carroll and uh they they, they took a little bit of time to realise that yeah, it was a central defender who scored. It's a striker's that. finish. It is a striker's finish, yeah. And um for I think it's it's such a an an awesome moment that boyhood club centre back gets his first goal at home, um, in front of the fans, um, and it's a feisty a minute before uh, uh, we, we go in for the break. You, you know, you, you get, the only way you could write it is if it was a last-minute winner sort of thing. Um, he's taken it so well. Um, and the, the good thing that he's done is he's got himself into the right position. It was actually a striker's position to get into, but he's got himself into the right position as soon as Lawrence, you can see Lawrence going to head it back across. Um, I'm surprised there's no whole defender right on him, um, given that he is the centre-back in the box. Um, but yeah, he's taken it so well, and you can see how much it meant to him in his celebrations as well. Yeah, his celebration in front of the stand was yeah joined by pretty much the whole side. I, I don't think Southwood run up uh, ran the ninety five yards to celebrate with him, but I imagine that might be purely because he didn't realise it was Tom Holmes who'd scored, given it was a bicycle kick. Uh, yeah, Jordan, fifty what was it fifty four fifty five games? I think Tom Holmes has played now for Reading, so. I mean, how do you think Tom Holmes is, is I guess, we've, we've seen him in the side now for four, I want to say it's four or five games. How, how do you think he's performing overall? But I mean, do you think he's going to stay in the side long term? I think it's a tricky one, that. I think it's a really tough one to, to answer. Um, and I think it probably has a lot to do with, with how long Moore is out because, yeah, okay, they're in different situations. But I was definitely um, of the opinion when Southwood basically first came in that like he needed to probably go and get five, six games before you'd even consider keeping him in. With Holmes, obviously, we've seen a lot more of him. We we know who he is, what he's about. Um, whether he needs quite as long, I don't know. I think the the dropping more thing is is a delicate issue. Um, yeah, I personally think more gets probably more focused than he he's due. But regardless, you know, Holmes is playing really good. I love that partnership. All I'll say, you know, whether whatever happens with more, I really, really like that Dan Holmes partnership. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of potential for it to really grow and become something really solid because they're both. Um, it's funny. I wouldn't say they even complement each other. I just think they're both quite similar. They're both super comfortable on the ball. They're both um, have some nice passes out. Are happy to actually pass 
out of just a fullback or just the first defender, first midfielder, right? Like we saw some really nice passes um, into people's feet, into space. Holmes actually was, I think this is a game that we'll look back on and, and if you want to go make a little highlight reel of, of Tom Holmes, it's not a bad one for his passing because you've got a couple of pings to the back stick for Carroll to try and hold up or knock down. You've got a couple of nice little rasps into like Swift's feet. And then you even had in the first half a lovely ball, which I haven't seen back. Um, but he's picked the ball up deep and he's pinged it on top for Swift running in behind and we almost get something out of it. Maybe we work it for a, for a cross or something. But um, if he can do that and he can be quite assured as he is defensively, which he generally is, um, you know, he's still got his weaknesses and can still be got at, but I think he's pretty solid still defensively and he can have a goal, which is long overdue, <laughs> um, then, um, you know, We've got a very good defender on our hands and just, you know, fingers crossed we get that contract sorted. Yeah, the contract is definitely an issue. And, and a disregarding Swift, because I feel like that one's an obvious one. We've got Holmes, Lauren, Remota, uh, I don't know who else, Aziz, potentially. I, there's a yeah. long, long list, right, of, of players out of contract this summer. Um, question for both of you. If you can only keep one, guaranteed to keep one player who are you keeping out of this current squad excluding john swift because i feel like that's that's cheating Holmes, straight away it, without fail there's it's no hesitation for me jordan yeah it's it, it's it's homes for me probably as well um although all i will say with that is like it's homes for like the next three four years in my mind if we're talking just next season it's probably andy year them but you know, if we're talking like, who do you want to keep for the midterm? It, it's Holmes for sure because you know he's such a such a good player. He, he could be a player who we go uh, are talking about in five years' time. That's had you know three, four hundred, three hundred appearances or something like that for Reading, um, and is I'm, I'm not going to talk one one club players because you can never see that far into the future. But he could do a real job for three, four, five years into the future of Reading, and we really centre uh, our our back line on him. Um, and, you know, the, the rest of the players I would love to keep, um, but I think he's got some real potential uh, for the future. Yeah, I, I, I do remember after the Forest game we had at home, there was a report from a... I don't think it was a Forest fan, but it was a, a report from a, a neutral who'd come to watch the game uh, who, who posted up about... Holmes being a potential future England player, and I thought maybe that's a little, a little much potentially, but certainly I could see him playing, you know, in the in the Premier League in the future quite comfortably. He's got all the talent, and it means lot of... can get into the squad, then so can Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Halftime came through. Andy Yeardum came off. Jordan, Andy Yeardum, it's a worry that he's he's come off again. Um, Panovich has said it's a, a, I think it was a, a tissue injury, but it, mm-hmm. they tried to take him off before any damage is done. We're not really sure as to what the like outcome is yet of of him coming off. Um, his injury concerns this season are they're they're mounting up slightly. I mean, I, I'm, I know he's been injured before, and we had that spell where he was, he was out a little bit. I, I, I'll be honest, I can't remember how many games he's been out. But um, I think I think the bigger issue, in my, in my mind at least, is it's less about his body holding up and it's more just about the cover, you know what I mean? Um, maybe this will be a blessing in disguise. Maybe it'll be out BathCon, who knows? But um, uh, I think I think similar to... to I mean, speaking of Afcon, similar to Babarama on the other side, the, the bigger worry is just that, that we don't really have anybody else there. The fact that it's Tetek coming on, who I, you know, I'm a big fan of, but I, I don't think he's a right back, is he? Um, so I think that there is an issue there. We're going to have to figure out what we're going to do. You know, if he is injured, or if or if the two of our fullbacks do end up going off to to Afcon, um, we're going to have some interesting team selection, some interesting couple of weeks. Um, you know, I think he's. I think he's brilliant. You know, I think Andy Eardham is, is a brilliant, brilliant player and, and has had a good season. Um, and we do miss him when he's not there. So, um, you know, it's never good. It's never good seeing him come off. Fingers crossed this is, it was done at the right time. It was done precautionary enough. I, I think I saw he's going for a scan. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed the results on that aren't too bad. Yeah, certainly. It, it, it was good to see them, I guess, take the precaution and, and do it early, hopefully. Hopefully it's early enough that there's no... You know, no serious injury and he's, he's back next weekend uh, and starting. But Tete comes on and, and Matt, the, the goal for Hull comes about 10 minutes after half time. It's a long pass forwards from uh, from Smallwood in, in central defence. And I mean, Tete gets extremely unfortunate that it kind of comes off his calf uh, and bounces straight back to Malik Wilkes. It's, it's a really... I mean, unfortunate or fortunate, depends who's fault, uh, unfortunate goal um, to concede, really. And Tetek, I don't think he could have done much different. It hits him and goes off, uh, in, in, you know, out to 35 yards. Um, 99 times out of 100, whoever takes a shot from there skies it wide in the championship. Um, so I, I can't really blame Tetek um, for the goal. Um, I don't think there's we can argue if we're blaming Southwood or not. I think he's been great over the past um, since he's come into the squad. Um, but the it's a great shot. Um, Southwood is um, just doesn't quite read it right. Goes down to get it, and I don't know if it bounces up before him, does it, or is it? Um, he just jumps on top of it and, and lets it go through him. But um, you know, I think it's a, a, an error. Southwood wasn't at his best yesterday. But it's almost um, the same argument with Swift, which is he's been so good recently that when he's not at his best, we're like, oh, hold on. You know, you're, you're not doing quite as well as you were previously. Um, and I, I just think it's a really unlucky goal. And um, the rest of, you know, we, we didn't give Hull a lot of chances. I know they had 
uh, you know, a couple of offside goals and things like that. I'm not worried about those. It was you know, three seconds after uh, it being called for offside, they score sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's an unlucky goal that we won't see again uh, for the rest of the season. And it's just unfortunate that it's cost us two points. I think it's an interesting one about um, Hull not really creating much because I, I, I kind of agree. I don't really think Hull had that many big chances in all honesty, Jordan, despite the fact that, you know, despite the fact the game ended 1-1 and Hull, you know, did have two offside goals. It didn't really feel like they were that threatening potentially going forwards. I, I, it, it felt I like they were, agree. I guess they didn't really create much. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought, I thought they were, I thought they were pretty impressive sort of up to the final third. Um, had some nice bits and pieces, um, but I mean, to be honest, a bit similar to us. I'm sure we'll get on to Carol, but a bit similar to us. I think the the strikers just weren't up to much on the day. Um, you know, obviously Malik will scores his goal, takes the shot nicely. You know, it's a it's a mistake from Southwood. You know, it, it's an error, it's cost us, but you know, it's fine. You know, these things happen when you're a keeper. Um, but but yeah, I think um, you know, I'd be. I'd be a little bit worried. I'm sure they'll be looking for a striker in January. I'd be a little bit worried if I was then continuing with those those two because they're both fine. But, you know, I think they missed that sort of cutting edge a little bit, the final third. Um, and, you know, a bit like us to some degree, although I think we did create more, um, a bit reliant on a little bit of magic from, you know, Keen Lewis Potter or Honeyman, both of who I thought were pretty good. Honeyman especially I thought was excellent. But, um yeah, they just everything was sort of little half chances. Everything was mainly from set pieces. So defensively, from my point, of, from sort of what I take away from the game, not overly worried. I think we we dealt with them fairly comfortably, albeit they played fairly well. Um, so so nothing massively concerning in the goal either, because you know I think Southwood will just take it on the chin and move on. So that's not too big of an issue. Um, or in in the way we generally defended, you know, I think they got the better of us in midfield all game, which is a shame. But in that final final third, we did what we've we've done plenty of this season, which is you know do enough to restrict them to to not all that much. I think yeah, the second half Reading Reading probably didn't have that many major chances. In reality, like we we tried and we battled. We had a couple of half chances here and there. Carroll had a two probable half chances, both of which he put over the bar. Um, and we had, I think, Aziz with a reasonably a reasonable effort from the from the right-hand side. We won't go into those in too much detail because, you know, as, as much as it would be nice to, I feel like the major talking points from the second half are, are fairly obvious to most people who are listening because, Matt, the refereeing yesterday was god-awful. In, I don't really think there's any other, like, you know, there's no other excuse for it, but yesterday was really, really poor. And really the debate is, should Reading have had two penalties or should Reading have had three penalties? Yeah, I'm I'm not usually one to just sit back and blame the ref because I think it's always a really easy target. And um, every fan across the country can go, we didn't win today because of the ref. Realistically, though, yesterday we did not win because of the ref. Um at some absolutely shocking decisions. Um, and it, even if we, we took out the, the penalties and we looked at just some easy decision-making um, that he could have done, that it didn't really affect things, but like corners, throw-ins, that sort of thing, 
he always makes the easy decisions go non-controversial i don't know who it was i'll just give it to the defending team um and he just had a a, a very very bad game yesterday i think I was looking at his stats this morning. I don't think he's actually managed championship games that often. Um, he's he's only just hit about, I think, 10 or 11 games in the championship. He's not a well-experienced championship ref. Um, and, yeah, yesterday was was not his finest. Um, I think every single one of those penalties could have been given. Every single one of those penalty claims could have been given quite easily. Which one was the most obvious one, Matt? So we had Carroll in the first half, just before half time, um, which he he kind of gets pushed to the ground. I would say um, we'll we'll go through them yeah. with Grant McCann's kind of excuse on the side. <laughs> so um, the first one, Carroll falls to the ground. Grant McCann, it was a dive. The second one, Swift gets kind of laid out. Uh, it was outside the box from Grant McCann. And the third one, the handball, uh, you've seen them given from Grant McCann. So which one for you, Matt, was the... Oh, saying it's outside the box. It's like, well, give give the free kick then. Didn't even give that. Um, I'd say the most obvious one for me was the handball. It's up in the air. Uh, it hits his hand. It's a handball. Everyone can see it. There's no... Um, there's no should he have stayed up stronger, all that sort of stuff. It hit his hand in the penalty box. That's it. Yeah, hard to disagree. Um, I, they seemed to get more and more nailed on as they went, really. Like, I think the first one was, even watching it back, I'm like, as a biased Reading fan, I'm going, yeah, that's a penalty. But it's it's maybe a little bit more understandable. Swift one, for me, is so nailed on. It's, it's unreal. It's just bad defending, and he just draws him in. It's a foul. And then the, sec- the last one, like... You feel a little bit bad for the defender in terms of it might be one of those ones where you go, oh, it's a bit unlucky, but it's still a nailed on pen. Like his arm, his arm's way, way where it shouldn't be, and it hits him, and you just go, Oh, unlucky, mate, but that's a pen, obviously. Um, so for for none of them is is um frustrating. Um, you know, when you're in the stands and stuff, like you never you, you get that good a view of these sorts of things, but you can get a bit of a feel from it from like the players' reactions and stuff. And when you have three reactions like that, you tend to go, oh, I can't wait to see the highlights back because I'm sure one or two of these is probably very, very clear. Uh, and you know, looking back this morning, they, they were. Um, so it's, um, I f- it's I think difficult. The, yeah. the fact that multiple Hull fans on Twitter yesterday <laughs> were saying, yeah, Reading probably should have had three penalties today. It's very rare that you see an opposition fan coming out and saying that the, you know, your opponent should have had three clear penalties. And it's hard to take. It's hard to um, separate the penalty stuff from assessing the performance either, because you know, I've seen plenty of, of Reading fans sort of going, "Oh, we shouldn't be relying on referees. You know, we should be able to beat Hull regardless or whatever." I, I sort of get that, but equally, like the penalties have come from us doing things to get into good positions. You know what I mean? Like if Swift doesn't get taken out, he gets a shot away, and given he missed one in the first half with his track record, he probably scores it. You know what I mean? Um, with Carroll's one. He's going for a nod down. That nod down might reach somebody who take a shot and get a chance. You know what I mean? So, like, it's um, – I find it – I get what people are saying about you shouldn't have to rely on referees, but equally, we play this game to get into dangerous situations. And when you get fouled in dangerous situations, the, the reality is you get a penalty or should do. Um, so, 
I also don't think we should just strip the penalties away when we're assessing the performance because they're part and parcel of it. Yeah, and from an overall performance perspective, I actually thought we were we were good enough to win the game from an overall performance perspective without the penalties. Um, I think you know it's a couple of uh, half chances uh, that that could have gone better. Swift going for on goal obviously uh, could could have been better, but yeah, strip away the penalties and we still could have won the game. I think it's a bit um, unfair to say, oh, we should you know we should be beating uh, Hull there. They've won, um, well, you said at start, four games in a row. They're probably the form team in the championship. Um, but I, I think we did enough yesterday without the penalties uh, to, to, to win the game. And then you add the penalties back in as well, which are part of the performance, like you say. Um, and yeah, we, we should have won. Yeah, I, I think I agree. It's difficult, like you say, John, to strip the penalties away from the performance because they are part of the performance. That, that that is it right like it's all it's all on the field um and three penalties yesterday start of december rings true to a game last year away at sheffield wednesday and we should have had three penalties as well so i'm gonna mark my calendar for the first <laughs> game of december next year and, and just make sure that you know we well that i don't put any kind of bet on for reading to get a penalty Next week, we are going to be playing away at the Hawthorns against West Brom. And Matt, West Brom away, in all honesty, it's not usually a good hunting ground for Reading. Uh, what, do, you, do you see us picking up any points there? I mean, on, on paper, we, will, we should go and lose, and it is what it is. We always seem to have this... Um, thing though going away to the top of the league when we've we've not been playing very well recently and that sort of thing and just managing to to nick a point or nick an in, in, incredible uh away performance so i'm hopeful realistic though we could if we go and lose two three nil to west brom it is what it is um they're are they top still or is fulham top um and, and yeah we carry on but bournemouth might be top even and <laughs> jordan do you give us much in the way of hope next week. I think it's, I mean, I'm trying to find it here at the moment, but I think it's well over 15 or 20 years since Reading have won away at West Brom. <laughs> um, I think, I think it's tricky. Uh, I've seen West Brom a couple of times this season because they're always picked for Sky and I think they've always been really boring games. Um, I can't say I've been that impressed with them, but equally, I think unlike a Swansea, unlike, you know, a Fulham, this is a game that I think even more so I'm, less encouraged about us being able to turn up and, and sort of um, pull a win out of somewhere just because, you know, I think stylistically they're pretty um, they're pretty much the opposite of what our, our team, I think, wants to face in terms of tons of set pieces, tons of balls in the box, tons of just, you know, asking you to go um, defend and asking you to pick up pieces on the edge of the box and stuff. So I don't know what we'll do. I think, you know, Pano's got a lot of criticism. Um for, for shaking things up and changing tactics and stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of feel like we have to, um, just with the threats they pose and the way they, they get just numbers in the box. Don't think they're the most um, cohesive or talented team. Talent is made the wrong word. They've obviously got tons of talent, but, um, you know, the way they play. But, um, you know, a bit like when we've played other teams that um, are very, very strong aerially and from set pieces, I always am a bit worried. So no, I don't give us 
much chance. Um, but, you know, as you know, Matt said, we do like to upset the odds at some of these games. So fingers crossed we can do something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it might need a bit of a bit of Pano pulling something out of the bag, I think, potentially. Perhaps we'll just put Carol at the back for the game and uh, <laughs> <laughs> bring someone else up front, up front. Yeah. yeah. Well, three at the back, right? Carol, Carol Moore, uh, Carol, Dan and Holmes. There we go. It's a strong unit. That. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we won't be conceding too much from set pieces if we do that. Um, that's a joke before anybody worries too much about our okay. marking with Carol at the back. Um, yeah. So we'll be back next week uh, with Matt Williamson hosting the preview podcast later on during the week and then yeah join me next weekend for a review of the West Brom game when hopefully we can finally pick up some points against West Brom away from home and Reading can continue their march up the table we did move up one position yesterday so you know it's not all end of the world stuff when you when you get a draw at home cheers everyone